You're listening to The Semi-Filled Writer. This is a show about my life experiences, my love for entertainment, and of course, my failures. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 9 of The Semi-Filled Writer. I don't have an audio track to lead us into this episode, I'm just going to cut right to it. We are in the process of coming up with a theme song, so that'll be put in here at the beginning and at the end of the show, but that's a work in progress. So maybe by next episode, we'll see something new in there. As I'm recording this, we are in day 37 of the safer at home measures in the state of California. Um, I have no big updates there. I'm still doing my same thing, wearing a face mask practically every day. I don't know when we're going to see any changes, any return to normalcy. The next big update is probably going to be May 15th because that's when the order is supposed to be ending. I know some other states have already started opening up some businesses and there are actually a handful of states that didn't even put safer at home measures. So everything's business as usual for the most part and I hope that's working for them, but we'll see. In the past six weeks, there have been a lot of events that have been canceled or postponed, but there have been a few things that have not been canceled entirely. One of those things is a screenwriting contest called the Academy Nickel Fellowship. And if you're not familiar with what that is, this is basically the most prestigious screenwriting competition out there for non-professional writers. If you win one of these fellowships and they only take up to five a year, you're set. The industry is going to know about you. Agencies, management companies, production companies, they're going to want to know who you are and they want to get in touch with you and work with you. And so I had a couple of goals for this year. And one of them was to start this podcast and to consistently do this show every two weeks. So, so far, so good. My other goal was to have a script that was ready to be entered into the Nickel Fellowship. And I think I have that. Uh, The final deadline to submit it is May 1st. And so that's right around the corner. That's this Friday. And I found a script that I had worked on a long time ago. And for a number of reasons, I took a step away from it for a very long time. I just couldn't figure out how I wanted to go forward with it. But I have since returned to that script and did a huge overhaul on it. And I'm pretty happy with where it is now. It's not perfect. I've, I've gotten some feedback and there's some things that I still need to update, but I can say it's a lot better than what I've had before. So I just need to be able to submit it on Friday and we'll see how it goes. I think in July, they're going to announce who the quarterfinalists are, the people that advance past the first round. And in all the years that I've ever submitted a script to this contest, I've never gotten past the first round. I've come close. There are instances where they send me an email telling me about my rejection, but they say at least, at least you made top 15%, which is great, but still not good enough. And it gets very frustrating every year when I get that rejection, because I still feel like I made progress on my writing, but it doesn't show in a contest. At some point, I'm hoping I can get past the first round. So I am a little nervous once I submit this And even though I feel good about it, the judges might not. And I would have to basically start all over, find another way to to break through or wait until the next year when submissions are open again. And the reason I'm bringing up the Nickel Fellowship, I've been thinking a lot about the very first screenplay that I've written in my life. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. 
And it's a little challenging to present this for a couple of reasons. For one, I can't find a copy of that very first script. I wrote this back almost 17 years ago, around 2003, 2004. And I don't have a soft copy of it because it's on a hard drive or a computer that I no longer have. I don't have it as an attachment to an email because it's probably on an account that I don't use anymore and no longer have access to. The only other place where I could get a hold of the script is I have a hard copy of it somewhere. I remember printing it out, giving it to someone to read, and I had this container of old scripts that I've written. And unfortunately, that box is in storage and there's no way for me to get access to it easily. Uh, I When I moved back to California, I had to downsize because I was moving into a smaller apartment. And so there are a lot of things that are in that storage that I can't get access to, like my clothes, some of my furniture, also a photo that I took with the now retired coach Muffet McGraw. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And so all I have left is my memory. To the best of my knowledge, I'll recall all the events from this story as I talk to you about this. I'm going to do this in three parts. I'm going to explain all the events that led to me writing my first script, why I wrote a script and particularly this story. I'm going to go through the entire plot and pitch it to you as best as I can remember it. And then I'll do some general reflection where I think about where my writing has gone since I wrote that script and how I feel about it today. So like I said before, my first script came when I was 20 years old. But my desire to be a screenwriter started when I was 13 years old. And at 13 years old, I didn't even know the job screenwriter existed. This shows you how dumb I am. I've watched movies all my life. I never paid attention to all the jobs, to all the different people that put a film together. I guess I just assumed that the director did it all. But it wasn't until I was 18 where I finally knew that there was a job called a screenwriter. But starting at age 13, I was coming up with these stories in my head, and they all were imagined as movies. And I'll save it for another episode, the very first story I came up with. But I never put it down on paper. This all stayed in my head up until I was 20 years old. I had finally committed to this. I decided to major in film in college, and I had decided that I wanted to pursue a career in screenwriting. I didn't know what I needed to do to become a screenwriter at that point. I didn't know if I needed to do an internship, if I needed to apply for a job. I didn't even know how to write a script. I felt like that was the first step I needed to take was to write a full-length screenplay. And even though I was a film major in college, there weren't many classes that were dedicated to the art of screenwriting. There was one class that I took that was both playwriting and screenwriting, but from what I remember, I didn't know it didn't help me at all as far as learning about screenwriting. It was more about learning some of the components of it, of good storytelling. And so the only other place where I could look was the internet. And I think at that time, there weren't many websites dedicated to learning about screenwriting. I don't think there were many books around to talk about screenwriting. But I did find a website that could show me format. I felt like if there was anything, I just needed to know what a script looks like, and how to write one. And there was a software out there, Final Draft, that I could have used, and it would do all the formatting for me, but I couldn't afford it at the time. So I found a website on how to make a screenplay out of Microsoft Word. I had to create custom tabs so that all my dialogue would be centered in the middle of the page accordingly, and it would look like a full-length screenplay. 
And then one of those stories that I had in my brain that I thought would be most meaningful and had a lot of substance to it, I just decided I'm going to write this story. And I'm going to start writing 120 pages and let's see how it goes. Now, there's another reason why I needed to write a script. When I was in college, I watched this film called Real Women Have Curves. And it was on DVD. And so after I watched the movie, they had biographies of all the cast and crew members. And so I was reading up on bios of the writers of this script. And their names were George Lavu and Josefina Lopez. And it said that both of them got their Master of Fine Arts in screenwriting at UCLA. That was the first time I ever heard of there being an MFA in screenwriting. That you could go to graduate school and learn how to become a screenwriter that way. And I felt like that was the best option for me. That is how I'm going to pursue a career. I'm going to continue going to school, get my MFA in screenwriting. And this was appealing to me in a number of ways. First of all, I was going to get an education. There would be professors there that could teach me how to write one. Another reason is that I'd be connecting with all these other students from different walks of life that are all going to be there. And we're going to all help each other and we're going to create a network that's going to help us get through to the next step of becoming filmmakers. And then the other reason is that it had structure. If I was going to try to pursue this on my own, I would be lost and I would be lazy and could figure out the best way for me to break into the industry. But I felt with going to school, I would have deadlines. I would have assignments. I would have these activities that I would need to complete. And that would give me the experience I needed to get into screenwriting as a career. And I think about it now, I don't know if I regret going to school or not because I didn't realize I was going to carry a lot of debt from going to a graduate program. But that's the bet that I made. So nothing I can do about it now. I did some research to find out which school that I wanted to go to get my master's. And there are only a handful of uh, universities that offer any kind of graduate program. And of course, whenever you apply to schools, you have to provide all this material. You have your application, letters of recommendation, a personal essay, writing samples. I applied to the University of Texas at Austin, and they required you to have a writing sample that consisted of either a full-length screenplay or a 30-minute or 60-minute script for a TV show. And so I had started this one for the script and I thought, okay, I'm going to use that. And so I submitted that script along with my application. I didn't get accepted. I was very angry about that because I'm from Texas. Why wouldn't they want me to go to the University of Texas? I know it's more complex than that, of course, but that was my number one choice and I didn't get in. I did find a school that wanted to have me enroll into their program and it didn't require a writing sample that was 120 pages long. So there's that. Now I'm going to tell you the summary of this really crappy script that I wrote. And I'm going to try to make this as entertaining as possible. I know this is not a good story. It might be boring. I don't know. But I want to try to find the balance of it being entertaining to you guys and also to just make you understand that this is not a good story. I don't know if you ever saw the episode of The Office where uh, Jim and Pam stumble upon a screenplay that Michael Scott wrote called Threat Level Midnight. And they're reading, they're doing a table read of the script and it's bad, it's so bad it's good. That's the kind of energy I'm going for, but I'm going to do the best that I can as I talk about this. By the way, 
this script, I never registered it. I've never got it copyrighted. So if anybody there is listening to this and finds a good idea out of the story, have at it. This is my documentation right here. I'm going on the record to say you have permission to take this and do whatever you want with the story. And if you come up with something successful, it's a hit, fine. I have no intention of ever going back to the story and trying to revise it. It doesn't mean as much to me now as it did back when I first started writing it. So there you go. The title of the script that I wrote was called My Journey. It's very original, My Journey. This is how the story goes. This is a story about a girl named Lucia, who is a senior in high school. Not a stretch there, right? Now, Lucia lives with her single mother. Father's whereabouts are unknown. We never explore that. And I can't say, say the name of the fictional town that Lucia lives in because it sounds so closely related to the actual hometown that I'm from. So we're just going to give it a different name altogether. We're just going to call it Corona. All right. Lucia was born and raised in the small town of Corona, Texas. Yet the previous two years, she transferred to an entirely different school. Spent the last two years going to a school other than the one in Corona. Now, why is that? Why did she move away temporarily? Let's have a big old flashback and start from freshman year in high school. And then we'll work our way back to senior year. So in freshman year, Lucia was on top of the world. She was trying to be one of the best students at the school. She was in honors classes. She was in every extracurricular activity you could think of. She was also a talented musician. She played the saxophone, made the all-state band. Everything's going great for her, but not everything. During that year, Lucia experiences a surprising amount of bullying. Anytime Lucia would achieve something, whether it was academically or through sports or music, Nobody seemed to care. In fact, they were unexpectedly cruel to her. She has a falling out with all of her friends. And the last straw comes when one of her closest friends, this guy named Jason, who's one of the most popular kids in school, very friendly to everybody. He doesn't come to her defense when she's bullied. And it's not that he's bullying her either. He's just being complicit with what's going on. And so at that point, Lucia feels like she just lost everybody. And she feels like she can't go back to school and face all these students ever again. So she has a conversation with her mother, decides we need to get out of here. We need to go somewhere else. There's a small town about 20 minutes away called Sonoma. And that school is going to allow Lucia to transfer starting her sophomore year. And that'll be a fresh start. And they can also handle the commute and driving back and forth. Lucia isn't just, she's not going to move out of the town altogether. They're going to stay in Corona, but she has to go to a different school because those are the people that she's going to be seeing more of than anywhere else. So she enrolls in this school sophomore year and she stays pretty quiet for the most part. She's very nervous to talk to anybody. She can't join all the extracurriculars, but she does get into their band program, which is pretty exceptional. And then she starts making friends there. There are two friends in particular that she has a stronger connection to. One of them is a girl named Vivian, and her nickname is Vivi for short. And just on a side note, I was a fan of Final Fantasy IX, and there was a character named Vivi, and I was trying to force that character name into the script. So that's why I named a character Vivi. I had never known any girl that went by Vivi. The other person that she becomes friends with is a flute player, and his name is Andre. And I'm telling you now, a flute player named Andre, not gay. 
Just keep that in the back of your head. And another side note, every time I think of the name Andre now, and this didn't happen at the time, but I think of both uh, one of the earlier seasons of Project Runway where Santino Rice is doing a great impression of Tin Gun, And he says, what happened to Andre? There's a clip of it in YouTube. You can check it out. And then I also think of Key and Peele where they have one of the girls with the boyfriend named Andre. And the way she says it with the nasally voice and very obnoxious, I can't get those out of my head now. So Vivi and Andre, two best friends. And there really are no issues that first half of the year, but then things come to a head when it's time for the All-State Band tryouts. Now, I mentioned before in freshman year, Lucia did make the All-State Band her freshman year. And so she's coming in pretty confident. While all the kids are waiting to have their turn to audition, she's trying to impart wisdom on them, telling them what to expect when to go into the auditions. And she's also talking about her own experiences. But the problem is she's coming off as a braggart and coming off as very arrogant and just talking about how awesome she is that she made it. And so this finally bothers Andre to the point where he has to confront her. So they're waiting for the results and determining who's going to get to go to Allstate Band. And so Andre approaches Lucia in front of everybody, not in private, and he chews her out. He's telling her how obnoxious she is, how annoying she is, and how she is so inconsiderate everybody else because she is so self-absorbed. And so they have this huge argument and he leaves and she's embarrassed by this. Now to add insult to injury, the results come up for All-State Band. And particularly for the saxophone players, there are only two that get to make the cut. And so when Lucia sees those results, she doesn't make top two. She doesn't even come close. She was so overconfident, she still didn't put in the work and was somewhere around sixth or seventh place out of all the kids there. But it is at this day that she has an epiphany and realizes that Andre was right about her. She finally realizes why her life was so difficult her freshman year. All those students realized that she was arrogant and conceited. And she was so off-putting that all they could do was just, they weren't bullying her. They were just very, very frustrated at her for the way that she behaves. What she had to do at that point was to change her attitude and not be as concerned about herself and be more considerate of others. So in the next year and a half at Sonoma High School, she redeems herself a little bit. She has a stronger friendship with Vivi and she becomes more humble and concerned with her friends. And then Andre eventually forgives her for the way that she behaves. And of course, naturally, whenever you have two people that start to hate each other or have problems with each other, they ultimately fall in love, right? Yeah, that's what happens in this story. Andre and Lucia start a relationship. They're now boyfriend and girlfriend. Everything's great. Now the end of junior year comes around, and now we're finally getting back to present day senior year. Lucia feels like she needs to make a change. Andre's actually graduating from high school. He's going out of state for college. They're going to have a long distance relationship. Lucia is no longer scared of going back to Corona and seeing all those familiar faces again and feels like she needs to prove something to herself and not let the bullying and everything win out. She can change things. And so she decides she's going to transfer back to Corona. And Vivi, I guess she decides she's going to transfer. I guess she has no attachment to Sonoma and she's going to stay with her best friend, Lucia. And so they're going to Corona senior year. Now we're back to the present. 
This is where it gets all fuzzy because I don't remember much of what happens in this senior year. You would think that Lucia in this story would make more of an effort to right the wrongs with her classmates. She would apologize to them. She would compliment them. Just show an overall concern. But in this story, I believe the only thing that happens is that she just keeps to herself. She just shuts her mouth entirely. She takes a more passive approach where she believes that if others just see her for her actions, they'll eventually warm up to her. Or she just doesn't want to make herself a target. That's her approach to correcting everything. There is one person that she does make more of an effort with than anybody else, and that's her friend Jason. And she works very hard to try to get a stronger friendship with him. It's not like she has a crush. She's got Andre there. But there's something about Jason that makes her feel like she's valued every time they're around each other, whether it's in class or whether they're doing extracurriculars or whatever it is. He's the only one that has never been mean to her. And she wants to hold on to that friendship because she has very few of those. There is a flaw that Jason has, though. It seems as if Jason doesn't value the friendship as much as Lucia does. I'll give you a couple of examples. They would never have one-on-one get-togethers. Lucia would invite Jason to go hang out, watch a movie, go get lunch somewhere. And every single time, Jason says, that's a great idea. Oh, we should bring like seven other people to come with us. And that wasn't Lucia's intention. She would have to fight for his attention with seven other people. And she didn't like that. Or if she would make plans with Jason, the very last minute he would just cancel them because something else came up. Probably something better than wanting to hang out with her. But yeah, over the course of senior year, he's constantly demonstrated, even though he cares for Lucia deeply, he just doesn't go that extra mile to make that friendship special. Now, senior year altogether is forgettable. You would talk about all the seminal moments that happen within the senior year. You've got homecoming, you've got prom, you've got all the special senior class bonding moments, like doing pranks and stuff. All of that was pretty anticlimactic. None of those events were special for Lucia. But something comes to a head when uh, she gets to Allstate Band her senior year. She makes it again. Vivi's going to be there. Andre's going to be there. And Jason's going to be there for the Allstate convention. And the way this works is that they're all just congregating in San Antonio. And then this is where Lucia hits a new rock bottom. With the Allstate Band, they have to do a new audition to decide who gets to sit where in concert band when they give the final performance at the end of the event. It was a goal for Lucia to be first chair, to be number one in the entire state of Texas. But she chokes and she doesn't get it. And that makes her sad. She has a fight with Vivi. I don't remember what it was for, but they don't communicate with each other. Andre's there. He gets to do a special solo performance for one of the concerts that's being hosted. I could go into all the details about this music convention, but that's probably not going to be of any interest in you. I'll just tell you, Andre was there, he brushes up Lucia, and this is one of the few chances that they get to see each other throughout the year, because of course he's out of state for college, and so they get in a fight as well. And then just imagine this, and this is how I had the scene play out in my head. There's a song called Night After Sidewalk, performed by Khaki King, and there is a scene where Lucia is so sad, she's walking the streets of San Antonio by herself. 18-year-old girl in an unfamiliar city walking by herself. That's totally safe. But she's walking around, feeling sorry for herself, 
And then she runs into Jason, who's with another set of friends, and she's hoping that he'll save the day, that she'll get to join his group and they go hang out and have a good time. He brushes her off, too, and it's pretty sad. But at that point, Lucia realizes that there's not much more she can do her senior year. She's checked out, and so the only focus now is the future, and hopefully it's going to turn out better than whatever happened in these past four years. Eventually, whatever was going on between Vivi and Lucia, they forget each other, though they go back being to best friends. And Andre, he makes it up to Lucia and shows up by surprise to her senior prom and they have a wonderful date. But the only thing that doesn't get resolved is the friendship with Jason. We get to graduation. Everybody's figured out what they're going to do in the future. Lucia, I believe, gets into a dream school and it happens to be the same one that... Andre is at, and so they get to be reunited. Now, after graduation, Lucia hands Jason a card, and he has yet to read it. He kind of forgets about it, doesn't look at it, until sometime in the summer he finally gets to open it. He gets around to doing it. He reads it, and Lucia just says a note about how she, how frustrated she feels about the relationship, and she gives him an ultimatum. She says that she's leaving for college on a particular day, And if he doesn't go and meet her one last time, the friendship is over. It's severed for good. No more trying this time. Well, it turns out that the day that he finally reads that card is the day that Lucia is leaving for college. And so he has this oh shit moment. And so he gets in his car, drives to her house. She's nowhere there. But he somehow figures out which direction that she's going towards her new life. And so he's going, let's say, westbound. He goes westbound on the road on this one freeway and he's trying to catch up to Lucia, hoping that he can meet her one last time. And so he's going as fast as he can. He actually is getting closer and closer to the vehicle that she's in. But the problem was that he didn't fill up his gas tank before driving off. And so he's nearly on empty and his car eventually dies and he can no longer catch up. And so the very last scene of the film is Lucia with her mom and perhaps one of her friends driving off into the sunset. Are you guys still awake? The summary's over. (laughs) I don't know if that was a good presentation of the story, but that was my first script. Now what I could do is I could easily tell you what not to do in screenwriting. There's, There's a lot of flaws that I have here with the script, and I unfortunately, I don't have a sample that I could share with you. Like the dialogue was too on the nose, transitions weren't smooth between scenes, characters weren't dynamic enough. But these are the things that I want to point out in particular. There are two stories in this one script. It starts off with Lucia, who has this behavior that she's trying to correct. And she's trying to become a kinder person to everyone. And then it turns into her trying to solidify a friendship with Jason. If you would ask me what the overall theme to the story is, I would have to decide between those two. I can't have two stories at once. I'd have to find out which one is more meaningful to me and put more focus on that and get rid of the other story. And I think to me, the more meaningful story here, I think at the time was the friendship, but the more meaningful one to me now is the behavior that Lucia had towards herself and towards everybody. I have been accused once of having two stories in one script. And when I presented it to a writer's group, they said the same thing. They wanted me to choose one over the other. And my initial response was, go F yourselves. You don't know what you're talking about. And I still find that to be true for that. But if you gave me that feedback for this script, I would absolutely take it to heart. 
I'm not sure why I needed to put two stories in there. One's enough. Now, something that I really liked about screenwriting is that I could turn it into a fantasy. I could write about myself, but I could be whatever character that I wanted to be, and my life would be so much more interesting than it is now. There is a problem with that, though. First off, in case you couldn't figure it out, Lucia is based off of me. So, of course, I'm going to care about her. But if anyone else reads this script, they probably won't care about Lucia or her story. You have to make them care. You need to make the audience invested in the protagonist's journey. The protagonist doesn't have to be likable, necessarily. But they do have to be relatable, proactive, and they have to have clear and strong values. And based on what I have now, I'm not sure if I made Lucia a compelling character in that respect. I don't know what the ultimate goal was for this story. Like, there were certain things that Lucia was able to achieve at the end of it. So she got to be in Allstate Band several times. She got a boyfriend. She got into her dream school. But that doesn't make for a good resolution. These are just prizes. And that was something I did like in teen movies in particular. There was always a prize that our character would have at the end. They would get the boy. They would get the girl. They would make the winning shot in the game and everybody would celebrate them. So what? We don't watch movies to see someone just win a prize. We watch movies to see growth within a character. They go through challenges created by other people or by events outside their control. And on the way, they discover a character flaw that keeps them from achieving their full potential. And success comes once they correct that behavior and become a better human being. And a byproduct of that is getting the girl or guy or winning the game for everybody. And all of this is to say that I wasn't going to have a masterpiece with my first script. I had high expectations when I wrote this because this was very meaningful to me. But that's not enough for it just to be meaningful to me. And also as the years have gone by, that story doesn't mean as much to me as it did when I first wrote it. At the time, I was trying to come to terms with my own experiences in high school. And I've done that. And it's not because I wrote the script. It's because it just took some time. And so now I've moved on from that. You know, I've been writing for over 15 years and I still don't have a masterpiece on hand. Even after getting the MFA, going to writing groups, writing new scripts, I've improved some for sure. But breaking in is hard. Screenwriting is hard. I feel kind of disheartened saying that out loud because some people break in much earlier than others. And I mentioned this before, I've had doubts as to whether or not I'll ever make it. But I'll keep trying. I'll continue to write, I'll continue to educate myself, and I'll continue to get objective feedback from others. This is the path that I chose all those years ago, and it started with a crappy script about high school. That is my journey. Send me your thoughts. I'm at semifieldwriter at gmail.com. I have a blog, semifieldwriter.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitch at semifieldwriter. I'll be coming back in two weeks with an awesome dumb film debate. I already know what we're going to do. I know I'm going to have Eric come back and it's going to be glorious. So I hope you tune in then. Thanks for listening, guys, and I will see you in two weeks.